You know, I got to say, I am happy about one thing. That I'm not going to be here for the chocolate and cheese thing. You can tell I've had too much. I'm telling you. Everybody says, uh, Sam, what all do you like inside of Switzerland? The sad thing is, is I like everything and I have a problem with it because I eat too much and then I start to swell up. So anyways, uh, I love the chocolate here. I love your country. I want to say thank you for the invite and I'm sure we'll be back again. I got a couple announcements I got to go over. How many Americans are in here? Oh, there is a few Americans. Now I ask you, how many of you heard of Orange County Chopper? I know the Americans had to. American Chopper, Orange County Chopper. We have a, now that's hot looking, ain't it? (coughs) Wow. I don't care who you are. You can sit on that and you're going to look hot. Am I right? We had a man that had this bike specially made for him. He was a wealthy guy and this bike was his pride and joy. This bike is original Orange County Chopper, Paul Tuttle original. God told him to give it away. The guy had like five motorcycles and he said, well, God, I, I, uh, how about this one over here, God? And God said, no, I want you to give away. This bike was specially made for him. And God said, no, I want you to give this one away. He had a brand new street glide. I know you probably don't know what that is, but he said, God, this one here is brand new. But God said, this one is your pride and joy. He gave us this motorcycle. 100% of the money from this motorcycle is spent on our project in Ethiopia. We give it away July 4th. So if you'd like to get involved in this, you can make a $10 donation. All the money, not 50%, not 75%, 100% of the money from this goes to our project in Ethiopia. Now, how many's on Facebook? Everybody's on Facebook. I love to tell this part of the story because I asked it in a church in America and my mom was sitting in the front row. My mom's 80 some years old. She puts her hand up. She's on Facebook and it's like, you gotta be kidding me, mom. So anyways, why I bring up Facebook is to give you a warning. I don't know why, but when you start to, people start to know who you are, people wants to start acting like you. We shut Facebook sites down every other month, every three months. People will get on there. They use my picture. They'll use my name. They'll use all of our stuff and they'll start talking to people like you and people like you will begin to give them money. No one in our organization will ever ask for money on social media. You know what's so crazy is on this trip alone, on this tour alone, we had two people open up Machine Gun Preacher Instagram sites just in the last week or so. So we're in the midst of shutting them down. But please, if anyone ever starts talking to you really nice and they ask you for any money on social media, it's not us. And tell your friends, it's, it's, it's just fraud, people trying to get money. Last year alone, I don't know where Kevin is. Kevin must be outside. But Kevin is our PR guy for Booking International. We had last year alone out of the UK almost 20,000 pounds given that never came to us. So please be very careful. If you ever want to give to us, you can go to our website, Machine Gun Preacher, 
and you can give on PayPal and it's very safe. And you can also email the office, which is Angels of East Africa. And you need to be careful wherever you sow money nowadays. Be very, very careful. Uh, How many seen the movie Machine Gun Preacher? Okay, you might have a couple questions for me later. Now, I got to tell you this much. Keep in mind, everything in that movie is not true. Anything that never set right with your heart in that movie probably was not true. Now, you know, right from the very beginning, they lied. I'm better looking than Gerard Butler. (laughs) So keep in mind, it's not all true. I'll tell you a couple things in the movie, just just so to kind of start off. The movie showed that the rebels burnt the orphanage to the ground. The truth is the rebels attacked the orphanage three times. They could never get through a bamboo fence because of the power of God. That's the truth. The orphanage never was burnt to the ground. But Hollywood is always Hollywood. People say to me all the time, they say, well, why did you let him do the movie? From the beginning of time, any movie done on anyone's life always says based on a true story. But see, the movie is an old movie now. It's nearly six years old and I'm traveling around the world. Now I get to tell the truth. So the movie is doing exactly what God wanted it to do. The first three months the movie came out in the theaters, Hollywood said nearly a million people changed their life. So we can't complain on that. Uh, I mean, look, make sure I don't forget anything. Uh, How many read the book, Another Man's War? Did anyone read the, the book that the movie was made from? Now you can get it in America. Any bookstore has both of my books, Living on the Edge and Another Man's War. We have the Another Man's War, what the movie was made from outside there on the desk. Living on the Edge, we have an English only. We have the documentary. How many seen the documentary Machine Gun Preacher? That's the truth. There's no actors in the documentary. And they just told me a few days ago, the documentary has something on there. You can click it to either English or German. So we have those outside. I want to talk a little bit about the projects. Most people that seen the movie think there's one orphanage. Most people don't even realize I live in Africa full time. The work has really grew. There's not one orphanage anymore. There's seven orphanages in East Africa. We work in Ethiopia, Uganda, and South Sudan. We're very big into teaching young people a skill and a trade. I don't know if you have heard this before, but in a third world country, if you're in an orphanage, you have to leave at 15 years old. 15 years old, you're out. You got to leave. More than 70% of those children end up in prostitution. We need to do something. We can't bring little children into an orphanage, grow them up to 15 or 16 years old, put them out in the world with no skill or trade. <clears throat> we built seven schools from the footer up. If you follow me on Facebook or start to follow me, you'll find out that I'm very big into education. I know how important education is because I have no education. No one said, Sam, you need to build a school. Over the years, we've built seven schools from the footer up. We're starting number eighth school now. 
All of our schools, we have all turned over to the government but one. On our big orphanage in South Sudan, we do have our own school that we run there. We also pay teachers from these schools in order to help them keep operating. Another thing is drilling wells. I don't know if you've heard this before, but people come up to me all the time and they say, Sam, I want to make a nice donation, but I want it to save lives. If you want to save hundreds and thousands of lives, drill a well in East Africa. People die every day from bad water, parasites, diarrhea. I mean, water is a very big thing. We're, uh, we have drilled more than three dozen wells over the years. We're getting ready next month to drill three wells for sure. It looks like now, because we had some people jump on board, it looks like we'll be drilling five wells in July. Imagine the people that's going to save. Another big thing that we do that I love to do, is, is there anybody here ever went on a mission trip and worked on a feeding program? We've got a couple here. <clears throat> We're feeding right now over 8,000 meals a day in East Africa. We believe after this tour, this tour ends the middle of July, we believe we're going to hit over 9,000 meals a day on our feeding programs. We have two big projects going on. One is in northern Uganda. One is in Ethiopia. But why we got these big projects going on is to teach young people a skill and a trade. I've been a missionary for 21 years. People say I don't look like a missionary. Do I, I look like a missionary, don't I? Come on, say yeah, yeah, encourage me. So anyway, <clears throat> I've, been, I've been in East Africa for 21 years working now. And what I have seen is we've done a pretty good job in third world countries teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what I ask is, did we really? Because what I've seen over the years is we teach people how to pray but then they stand there with their hand out and we create beggars in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is first to educate, teach a skill and a trade, and with Jesus Christ, with those four things, we can give people a future. When we give people a future, what do we do? We begin to change nations. We have a big project in northern Uganda, a thousand acre farm. This farm is doing amazing things. We're only farming right now less than one third of the land. Last year alone, we grew and gave away over 25 ton of rice. How many big projects do you hear doing that? On Christmas day, we fed over 18,000 people at a refugee camp. So this project is doing amazing things. We grew, gave away, and sold over 15 ton of pumpkins. We grew, gave away, and sold over 10 ton of uh, potatoes, over 5 ton of onions. This farm just keeps multiplying and multiplying. We built a big two-story house, six-bedroom, four-bathroom, Two cottages out on the side. That's pretty nice. Imagine that in the middle of the jungle. I mean, in the middle of the jungle. I, I think that'd be a nice place to go stay. What we do is we rent it out. We have people that come in and they pay by the day to stay in there as a guest house. 
But the main purpose of this is for training for women. Now, I don't know if you know much again about East Africa, but women that were sex slaves in the war, women that may have been wives to the rebels, when the war was over, they can't even go back to their village. They're treated very bad. Some villages will even stone them. They can't help what happened to them. A lot of these young ladies will walk into the bush and set and wait to die because they have no skill, they have no trade, they have no education, and they feel nobody cares about them. We got to do something. You know, churches all around the world, we got projects for little kids, we got projects for middle-sized kids, we got projects for grown men. What about the ladies? So this project is being used to teach all the skills that they would need to work inside of a hotel. <clears throat> Through this skill, we can get them jobs in nearby cities, nearby countries, but we're also teaching them how to make Spanish omelets, how to make eggs benedict, how to make French toast, how to make pancakes. They can get jobs in restaurants. They can have a future on their own. We're also, we're starting right now, we're making homemade cheese on the farm. We got 50 some cows, we got over 100 goats, so they're making cheese, yogurt, uh, let me see, cheese and yogurt, and uh, oh, there's a few other things that they're making too. But this is all done to teach skills to the ladies. We have another big project inside of uh, Ethiopia. I want you to imagine, now most of you, there's a lot of young people in here tonight. Man, I might be the oldest one in here. There might be a couple people of my age, but anyways, I want you to imagine, I'm 54 now. I want you to imagine being 50 years old and God puts a project on you, the biggest one ever, a six-story building. You have no money, you have no land, you have absolutely nothing but a vision. I'm scared. I'm thinking, oh God, I'm going to go to the board of directors and they're going to say, you have really lost it now, Sam. The project is over a $2 million project, but it's to train young people. And it was a six-story building. The first floor is a commercial bakery. The second floor is a restaurant, a hair salon, a few other businesses. Third floor and fourth floor is a hotel. Half of the fourth floor will take in at least 60 young people from 16 to 26 years old to teach them a skill and a trade. The fifth floor is sectioned off into business rentals where we'll put qualified children into business with our money, interest-free, but they gotta pay the money back. Then the sixth floor is rooftop dining. The money that this building's going to make will send other young kids that, that are smart. You know, you can't send all kids to university. See, if my mom would have sent me to university, it would have been a waste of money. Kids like me, we're gonna teach a skill and a trade. But then there's other kids that we need for doctors, we need as lawyers, we need for teachers. They need to have an education. So the money we make, will send them on into university. But you gotta hear the reason for this building. I didn't get to tell it in the, uh, oh, and stuff this morning. 
The reasoning for this building, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Nazareth. It's, it, uh, it's changed the name to Adima, and it's in Ethiopia. It's the fastest growing city in Ethiopia, but it's also the fastest growing city for street children. I want you to imagine children sleeping in the street, three years old and four years old all by themselves. See, that's not the bad thing. The bad thing is about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, people will come by and they will rape and molest those children. Then they'll take a couple coins and give to those children. See, those children don't know what they did. All they know is they're gonna get some food in the morning. That's all they know. I know what I wanna do. Come on, guys. We want to go in there and thump somebody on the head, but we can't. But we can build a safe haven for those children. One of our orphanages in Ethiopia is just for little children that are street children. It's a new orphanage just opened up. The other orphanage is all older kids. But see, when this big building's done, we get to move all those kids into the big building and then we can pull more young kids off the street. That's the purpose of this building. You know, how many of you ever Googled Machine Gun Preacher? Anybody? Wow. Good stories and bad stories. What can I say? Hey, listen. You know, the internet says I'm the most controversial preacher in the world. The internet says I'm the most talked about preacher in the world. The name Machine Gun Preacher is mentioned more than any other preacher in the world. Now, I believe when I come into your country, I come into your town, I come into your church, I come into your venue, I'm here to share about the work that I do in Africa. And at the same time, I'm here to ask you to sow into the work I do in Africa. So I believe if I'm asking you to sow into our work, you should be allowed to ask me any question. Now, we don't have a lot of people here tonight, so I can do this. I'm going to let you ask me any question. Make sure it's a question, one question. It can be about money. It can be about the movie. It can be about my personal life. There's no question that will offend me. There's no question that will upset me. But speak really loud, okay, so I can hear you. Who would have a question out here? Anybody? Come on, we got Americans in here. They're usually hard on me. Go ahead, speak real loud. <clears throat> no, I do one more meeting tonight here. And then I go to the U.S. I live full-time in Africa, but I have a motorcycle shop in the U.S. I build custom motorcycles. It's run by my brother. So I'm in the U.S. preaching, and I do two very big motorcycle events. One's in my hometown, over 300,000 motorcycles come to town. So I do two big events and then I preach. I finish out, I think, a three-week tour, finish raising money. Then I go back to Africa. I live in Africa full-time. It'll cost you double. <clears throat> What's that? No, the church in America is owned by the organization Angels of East Africa. 
My wife was running it for a while. She doesn't run it no more. They're actually putting in a new pastor in that church now. The church never was owned by us. It's owned by the nonprofit. Somebody else. Don't be shy. Come on. Go ahead. Absolutely. Now, that's a good question, okay? Because a lot of people... A lot of people asked about Uganda. Uganda is mainly a Christian nation, okay? So everybody in Uganda is Christian. Unbelievable miracles happen in Uganda in South Sudan. South Sudan is mainly Christian also. I gotta ask you, when was the last time you seen cancer fall off of someone and crawl across the ground? When was the last time you seen someone with polio leg on twist? Someone's eyes that were white and blind and the color would come back to their eyes. See, this happens in Africa. You know why it happens in Africa? Because they don't have Walmart. Some of you Americans know what I'm saying. See, in America... We don't need God most of the time. We got Walmart. And if it's not Walmart, we got the bank. You know, sometimes we need a financial miracle. What do we do? We go back to the bank and we borrow more money and we get in debt more. We need a healing from God. We don't even go to God. We go straight to the doctor. I believe in going to doctors, but I believe in Dr. Jesus also. So that's why in Africa... In Africa, you see miracles happen because they don't have doctors, they don't have banks, they don't have Walmart. When people need food, they start to pray and they pray until God does a miracle. You know what was really so awesome? When we fed 18,000 people Christmas day, there was a refugee camp. I don't know if you heard what's going on in Sudan. They say there's more than 7 million people on the verge of starvation. There was a refugee camp in Arua. This refugee camp had no food, just some posha. It's like a corn mill for Christmas Day. They had no food for the following week. They had nothing. People began to pray. Some of them went out looking for food, but other ones began to pray. We had all this rice. We had about, uh, I gave away 25 ton of rice. We had about 15 ton of rice. Money wasn't real good for us last year. So I was gonna sell the rice. And I started thinking, all right, I'll sell the rice. We'll have a lot of money. 15 ton of rice is a lot of money. So anyways, God says, give it away. I'm like, well, that ain't God. That's not God speaking. God knows we need the money. Why would he say, give it away? So I called the board of directors and I said, hey, you know what? We really need the money, but I feel God's wanting us to give the rice away. I was hoping they were gonna say, well, let's sell it instead. We need the money. But they said, give it away. So we gave this rice away at the last minute and these people were praying. That's true faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, I wanna speak a little bit here today. We don't have much longer. And I want to speak a little bit about rescuing children. 
And I titled this message here, Are You Willing to Give All? Are you willing to give all? Are you willing to suit up? Now, I know a lot of you have seen the movie and people start thinking, I get asked a question all the time. How many people did you kill? How many people did you shoot? Listen, I don't talk about violence because violence does not glorify Jesus Christ. But there comes a time in our life, like James chapter four, verse 17, if you know you should do something and not do it, you have sinned. Children are dying. I can tell you everything you've seen in that movie was not true. But I can tell you the truth about Sam Childers. There was a few years ago, 2013, I'd done one of the last big rescues that I did. And I get people all the time, they email us, they're wannabe soldiers that want to go into Africa and shoot people. Listen. If you want to go to war, you have never been in war. The last thing I want to do at 54 years old is get into another battle. I'm old. So anyways, people email me all the time. They don't know what war is or they wouldn't want to be in war. So I get a call from the government. They said, Sam, we got some children on the front lines that are caught on the other side of the enemy side. We need you to go get them. We'll assist you with a few more soldiers, but we need you and your team to go. So I said, okay, but I didn't want to go. See, I want to tell you the honest God truth. I got grandchildren now. I'm 54 years old. I'm living a pretty good life. I got a motorcycle shop in the U.S. that the showroom, they made me ride this little motorcycle over here this morning. But I got a showroom full of all kinds of motorcycles. I can walk into that showroom and get on any motorcycle I want to ride. I can ride it for two days, bring it back, and I can tell the guys in the shop, clean that bike up. (laughs) I live an unbelievable life. I'm preaching the gospel around the world. I don't have people shooting at me. And all of a sudden, they want me to go back into a war zone. I didn't want to go. 2013, I had a trunk in South Sudan in my house. And I opened up that trunk and I put my uniform, I put my guns, I put everything I had in that trunk. And I put a padlock on it. And as I was kneeling down, I prayed, God, I don't ever want to open this trunk again. I don't want to go back into a war. God, please, I don't want to open it again. Last September, when they called me, I did not want to go. So finally, I said, okay, God, I'll go. So I started driving from Kampala back into Sudan. When I got into Sudan, I knelt down by that trunk. And when I opened it, I just began to weep and cry. You know why? Because I was in my comfort zone. See, as Christians, we get in our comfort zone right here where you're living. And when you're in your comfort zone, it's hard to work for God. We don't want to step out. We start thinking about what if this happens? What if this happens? 
But see, for us to truly do work for God, you got to stand up and get out of the comfort zone. So I put the uniform on, <clears throat> started driving into the front lines. 21 soldiers, two small trucks and a big truck, a big lorry truck. We started driving. We got halfway there and they stopped us on a roadblock. And they said, Sam, you can't go no further. The rebels are killing people out in front. They're burning trucks. They're killing people. I jumped out of the car and I was like, all right, I tried, God. You've said that before, haven't you? I tried, God, but it's not working out. Time to go home. But there was a little something inside of me. A little something inside of me said, are you going to give up this easy? See, a lot of you sitting here right now know exactly what I'm talking about. God speaks to us to step out and do something. We don't really want to do it. And as soon as we try to do it, something happens and we want to say, God, I tried, but now I'm going to let it go. So I looked at the guy that was standing there at the roadblock. I said, if you don't mind me saying, what do you think all these soldiers are for? We got machine guns. We got 30 cal machine guns. We got RPGs. We didn't come here for a picnic. We come here to rescue some children. I got brave all of a sudden. See, the whole part of the story that I love to tell we went the whole way into the front lines and we rescued 37 children. Nobody even put their hand on a gun. Nobody touched a firearm. There wasn't a bullet fired. See, God had everything under control. Just like you're worried about some things you're going through in your life. God has it all in control, but he needs you to step out. He needs you to get rid of the fear in your life and step out and start moving. Let God handle it. We went into the front lines, came back out with 37 children. Within two days, those children all visited hospitals, had blood tests done, had complete physicals done, Doctors said more than 20 of those children would have died within 10 days if we would not have rescued them. See, some of you that's been sitting in your comfort zone, there's a lot of lives depending on what you're about to do. I want to read something here from Luke. <coughs> Luke chapter 9. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways. You know, I've been in the mission field 21 years. I left my family down to save children. I got a daughter 29 years old that I never seen grow up for 21 years. 
I got grandchildren now. I got the most beautiful grandchildren you can imagine. I want to hold them. I want to play with them. I want to be with them. I don't want to die yet. But God's not done using me. And God's not done using you. But we can't hold on to selfish ways. You know, I believe that more than half of the people here tonight know exactly what I'm saying. It says here, take up your cross and follow me. You know, so many times we wear the cross around our neck. We'll hang it in our car. But do we really know what is that cross? That cross was suffering. That cross was pain. It's time that we pick up the cross. See, I might have made some sacrifices in my life, but I've rescued thousands of children. Thousands of children. My family always had a roof over their head. They always had food. They always had everything they needed, clothing and everything. But they didn't always have me. It says here, <clears throat> if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You know, I'm not even going to read anymore tonight. You just can come on up here on the stage. See, this message was for a lot of you here tonight. For you to get out of your comfort zone. You know, I tell this everywhere I go around the world. Ministers used to preach how much you need Jesus Christ. How much you need Jesus. That's not what I'm preaching. I preach today how much Jesus needs you. But you got to step out. You got to get rid of fear. You got to stop trying to hang on to your life. See, I look out here, even though we're in a small group, I see miracles after miracles the miracle that's right upon you right now could save hundreds and thousands of people. If God can use me, imagine what he could do with you. I'm going to ask you in about two minutes, if you want me to pray with you, that you can stand up and get the courage and be willing to stand up and suit up, suit up, Put the uniform on and step out for God. I want to pray with you because God wants to do something big in your life. See, some of you are still sitting and you're thinking, oh, he can't use me. I'm not educated enough. Sam Childers, 30 years ago, couldn't read or write. 
I got two books worldwide. I got a third book PR people don't want me to put out yet. I got a fourth book I'm writing now. I never went back to school. I stepped out. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I don't have a diploma in nothing, but I speak in universities around the world. Get paid unbelievable amounts of money. I speak for Mercedes-Benz. I speak for Mishibishi. I speak for Fuso as a motivational speaker. If God can use me, he wants to use you right now. If you need me to pray for you, to get rid of fear, if you need to, maybe you just need to dedicate your life, rededicate your life, whatever it is, stand to your feet right now. I'm going to pray. Come on, stand to your feet. I, I know there's a lot of you in here. I'm telling you, miracles are being birthed right now. When you stood up, another miracle happened. You know, I'm going to ask you to follow me in a short prayer. Because I'm about to pray a prayer blessing over you. But I want to be honest, it's not going to work unless the hearts are all right. And I know just about everybody in here, I know you're a Christian, you're born again, but just follow me in this short prayer. You can whisper it, you can say it out loud. You can even say it if you're still sitting down. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Repeat after me, our gracious heavenly father. I'm here tonight on my own free will asking you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins, all the times I didn't believe, all the times I've walked away, all the times I didn't have faith. I ask you now, Lord, forgive me. Father, I ask you to begin to use me. Give me courage. Take away fear. I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna pray a quick prayer over you. If you need God to touch you, just lift that hand up. If you need him to heal you, if you need a miracle, you need courage, you need anxiety to leave, Whatever you need tonight, if you need him to touch you, just slip that hand up as high as you can. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are your people here, God. We are your people. Father, these hands are not lifted to man. These hands are lifted to you with the faith that you will crush us, that you will shake us that you will mold us, that you will heal us, that you will strengthen us, that you will give us the courage to step out, Father. Father, we want our lives changed tonight and we're asking that you touch us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you and let's begin to worship. I love you all, thank you.